Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty starved for Game of Thrones content. So I follow. I like this one writer for Vanity Fair, Joanna Robinson, who who does their recaps. And so every once in a while, I just look up just to see what she's written recently, just if there's anything there. Mm-hmm. And it turns out recently, the Game of Thrones scripts have been made available in some sort of like archival data dump. Oh <laughs> shit! Not new ones. Yeah. Not even new ones, mind you. Just. All the things that have already been shot, you can go read them. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, no, still. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about like watching Game of Thrones with closed captions yes. on yes. versus having them off. Yes. You get to see, it's like all of these things that you didn't really know. It's like, <laughs> that really kind of sort of ruins half the questions that we probably would have had and in college watching these i really i thought this was interesting but really it's just a confirmation i think the biggest thing to me was that in the you get a little bit more about what's going on in the visions so like in daenerys's Mm -hmm. vision of the throne room in king's landing it actually is snow not ash on the throne right yeah it's little things like that that i hadn't even remembered i had we had probably debated yeah exactly i'm sure we debated and like is cersei really pregnant like according to the script, probably. Apparently, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I mean, it's questions like that that you're. I, I'm starting to get excited, but I also realize I need to rewatch the entire last season because I have no idea what happened. I've been gearing up to do that, and I'm trying to decide what the appropriate timeline to undertake it for. Assuming we're talking April for the next season. You want to? You want to talk about where Billy, where Billy went? Went. It's time to talk about where Billy went. One-year deal. That Billy feels Hamilton. like he's uh, lost some vote of confidence in the league in general. Oh, absolutely. Are we going to split hairs I, here? <laughs> I think especially since he's on the Royals. Like, the Royals are, like, the team that I think about. Like, well, I mean, they, they worked they worked. One of the teams you think about right? the least. Yeah. It just, it, like, almost doesn't make sense. I heard, I heard the, hearing the rumors that the Royals wanted him, and I'm like, Why? Is this to replace Lorenzo Cain from a couple years ago? Like, well, they kept talking about they kept talking about like, oh, it's going to be so good to get him in center field. And then I was like, what are the dimensions of Kaufman? It's huge, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It is huge. Yeah. It's a it's a pitcher's park. Yeah. So it's a great way to to improve all of your pitchers without investing in a pitching coach. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So maybe I mean, may I like based on the way the articles were written, I was wondering like, oh, is this really how they're coming at it? Like we're going to get Billy Hamilton for defense and like maybe he'll get on base a couple times. Yeah. Okay. I think that's basically it. I mean, that team used to be a team that just everybody got on base and got hits. Yeah. And now it's not. So maybe that was their hitting coach though. Could be. Who knows? Let's hope. I hope. How much money was it? I want to see Billy Hamilton be relative, uh, relevant. relevant again. How much money was it for? Uh, five and a quarter mil. Man. With one million guarantee. No, one million in incentives. Would you rather have 
CC Sabathia or Billy Hamilton, like from a like a total team perspective. If I was the, Yan- the Yankees, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd rather have Billy Hamilton for three million dollars less. I okay, I just do not. There, there are so many things I just don't understand about baseball economics. This week on the pod, we are going to workshop a problem and try and identify the correct algorithm to work on it. Eric had some suggestions. And then I implemented them, and we have a little test case. And then in the second half, we'll talk about some example players that we identified that are interesting from it. So here we go. So this was a kill two birds with one stone kind of week. I had this quantification problem for work where, I was, where I'm trying to work on something for a paper that I'm writing. And I realized that I could get Eric to help me with this. I asked him a question about it. And then... He turned it around and said, well, can we actually do something for the pod and fantasy with this? And this is the truest the truest tools application that we've ever had, I think. In a way, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had a lot of, I think a lot of our web scraping ends up being this for me. Totally relevant. <laughs> totally relevant. Absolutely. All yeah. right. So I, I approached you with a problem. Um, I'm curious, based on my like haphazard description over the week, what you took away as the prompt well that was kind of interesting yeah you had um made this wild assertion <laughs> in in a paper that was being peer-reviewed and they were like can it's like can you show yes. how this is true um and essentially what you were doing was you were comparing two different um sample sets and saying that their distribution was similar mm-hmm. that was uh two different um multi-vector uh samples or in layperson terms it was in two dimensions (laughs) two dimensional yeah (laughs) because we i mean we we talk all the time about one-dimensional comparisons absolutely yeah taking it to two dimensions it turns out is not just twice as hard (laughs) right and you know in in actual i don't know if you you did think about this but in an in geography, you do have to do this all yeah, the time. I'm sure. Because you're, you're working in two dimensions all the time. You're supposed to say, like, is the, um, um, are the conifers, is the distribution of conifers in this uh, land parcel, is it the same as the distribution of the deciduous trees? Whoa. Or are they different? Whoa. And usually, usually what I'm trying to do is the opposite is say that it's um that they're both random or mm. that there's no sort of autocorrelation um spatial autocorrelation so this was sort of interesting going the other way yeah yeah <laughs> and usually what you're doing is you're trying to say you're comparing those two data sets to come to like this col- this um conclusion about whether one is random or not so you're like because oh, you're saying like all right, the conifers are um, clustered right here. But if you look at the overall population of trees, well, it's actually, you know, they're both look like they're clustered. So maybe it's just some sort of form of spatial autocorrelation. That's so interesting. I will admit that I did I did not think of that. So what I, so what I came to you with um, after some a couple of different ideas that got that went from convoluted down to like more convoluted <laughs> was using root mean square deviation mm-hmm. which is 
represents so straight from Wikipedia. The RMSD uh, represents the square root of the second sample moment of the differences between predicted values and observed values, or the quadratic mean of these differences. Now, the difficulty oh. <laughs> with this is, as you probably ran into, is like this is really supposed to be used to test whether um, a model is yes. accurately predicting um, the sample that it's being built off of. Right. But, I mean, in this, at the end of the day, that's sort of what you're doing with it by comparing two samples and saying that they're the same. Right. One sample is the model and one sample is the, the observed mm -hmm. data. Yeah. And then, so the root mean square uh, deviation quantify the delta between two two data points, and then squaring it, you end up um, basically the farther the way the farther away the prediction is from the um, sample, then the worse it looks. That's right. I mean, it's it's all built on the on normal distribution theory. So this, I thought that this ended up, I don't know, did this end up working for the paper? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. That's what we're doing. Did you actually get any com comments back? or Those were not the only comments that I had to deal with from the referee, so not yet. Fair enough. <laughs> did you ask any of your uh, colleagues about the... about the? I showed, well, I, I sent it, I sent it to the collaborators, and they were like, oh, okay, good idea. Interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're done with that part. But we decided let's bring this back to fantasy here because that was a pretty Good. that was a pretty stats heavy conversation. To me, the end of the season here means that we now get to quantify full season trends. So we were living in this sort of data scarcity world where medium where we're trying to figure out okay what do we do with small numbers? We don't have that problem anymore. We don't have small numbers. We have full seasons. Medium sized data sets, love it. So the chosen problem here is just a simple question trying to quantify, and I think this will be relevant as we go forward in predictions, whether runs and RBI per plate appearance, the distribution of those, is the same in 2018 as it was in 2017. Okay. I love that problem. Because this is going to say something about, okay, how much regression do we need to bake into numbers? Because now, basically, my idea is, is 2018 our target for 2019, or do we think that distribution, or do we think that there's some large-scale trend happening here? Right, exactly. We have to assess the denominator. Uh -huh. So if a player, if a player is a 130-100 player in season X, does that matter more or less than if he's a 130-100 player? And really, it's just 100-100. Um, yeah. in season Y, 100, 30, 100 being runs, home runs, RBIs. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to uh, assess that bottom line. We know that the, the, everything's changing with strikeouts and home runs, but what does that actually mean um, on a per-stat basis? That's right. So I just a couple of data things here. I specifically limited this to 200 greater than 200 plate appearances. Um, I felt like the extrapolation was a little too wild when we got under that. The first step here, now we've got, a, we have a cloud of points where each point corresponds to a different player. And I was like, how do I compare these distributions? And, and you said, it's a two-step process, which I really appreciated. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. First step, yeah. kernel density estimation, which we talked about um I don't have the number in front of me, but on a pod this summer, as I don't remember as what how was how to estimate yes. density. So I just I had that code sitting around, so I just simply applied this. Now we have a continuous distribution of what that actually of what 
runs versus RBIs looks like. So right. what do you think about this plot? Just straight up. There's two contours overlaid 2018 on 2017. Right. So he's got the runs to 600 plate appearances on the x-axis, RBIs to 600 plate appearances on the y-axis. And then he's got um, 2017 in red, 2018 in black. These contour lines are um, circles emanating out from from a central point. Very, they look like they overlap really, really well. Basically, now you you immediately see the statement of the problem. So we've done this. They look pretty the same. Are they the same though? Yeah. <laughs> the um, the eyeball test, the thumb test, the sniff test, whatever you want to say, they look they look similar. So then you take the follow up step of actually computing the root mean squared deviation from these. And now I've got a map for you, and I have no idea how to interpret this. <laughs> <laughs> Not no idea. Okay. I mean, so what, what basically the map has shown you, so you compute the root mean squared deviation, you, you take the difference between the two distributions and square it. Now I plot, and then you plot that, take the square root and then plot it. And mm -hmm. you immediately see where they're the most different. So it's not that it's difficult to interpret the location of the pl of the points like you can see like yep. oh okay so i can i see that there's a huge deviation where there's an obvious spur in the 2018 data to um lower runs at the same RBIs now in in 2017 there were more guys doing getting uh, higher runs and RBIs per plate appearance than in 2018. So the top end has fallen off a little bit. But I don't know how to interpret the significance. The The RMS deviation seems to suggest that it's more important or more, um, more significant that there's this tail of lower run getters at the same RBI than it is that there's guys on the, the super elite end. It does seem to be that way. Yeah, this... Um what is it like 58 to 58 run to 600 plate appearances to 660 RBIs yeah. where the biggest difference is. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, no, what this also shows is where, yeah, this is showing it's sort of like the inverse uh, image on the old iMac photo, but <laughs> I'm sure it's still there. I, I just don't have an iMac anymore where what you're looking for is what this is showing us is the differences That's right. rather than the similarities, which is kind of wild to think about. We briefly mentioned CC Sabathia in passing earlier, but that actually inspired a much longer conversation that just didn't make it into the pod. Here's an outtake. It's a lot of boxes of cereal you can eat. <clears throat> okay. If I was him, yeah. <laughs> Captain Crunch a day. Guys, I'm Diet. really busy. I don't have time for baseball anymore. <laughs> Guys, I am on a diet. I cut down my Captain Crunch intake from two boxes to one. So we sort of agree that the distributions are modestly different, at least at interesting points. And I was curious we have all the data so can we come up with why they're different and i thought we'd do this by talking about some example players and seeing if this is actually going to be relevant for fantasy 
So let's let's look near, near the locus in 2018, uh, which is basically somewhere between uh, the locus and difference here, which is centered on 55 to 65 runs and 55 to 65 RBIs. So I just made a cut. I just excised all the guys that were in that box in 2018 and 2017. And let's just see who these guys are. Let's see why, what we're, if we can get anything from this. All right, 2018, that box houses Jose Iglesias, Austin Slater, Freddie Galvis, Evan Longoria, Evan Longoria, Yangervis Solarte, Alex Gordon, Manny Margot, Wilson Contreras, Chris Ionetta, and Eric Hosmer. Yeah, um, Eric, uh, wow. That's an interesting group because you have some guys who are, um, like, how did Jose Iglesias get there? By just showing up every day to work, he got to that. And same with Freddie Galvis. But you can't just show up every day, right? Because these are normalized to 600 plate appearances. So you also have to... True. You also true, have true, to true. produce, but you have to produce at a slightly below average level, as we already discussed. Right, which means that, like, wow. And, I mean, Evan Longoria had a terrible year. Yeah, well, by Evan Longoria's standards. Evan Longoria and Eric Hosmer both had terrible years. And what that means is that they're in the range of, like, a 12 to 18th string catcher. <laughs> I know, I know, Yeah. So let's contrast this with 2017, and then we'll see if we immediately see any differences. So in this 2017 bin, you had Daniel Nava, Joe Panic, Orlando Arcia, <laughs> Freddie Galvis, Stephen Piscotti, Dansby <laughs> Swanson, Cameron Rupp, Brad Miller, Taylor Motter, Danny Espinoza. All right, my takeaway is that the 2017 group is worse than the 2018 group. That is true. I would say that as well. Freddie Galvis in both He's the only guy. The, the only guy himself. that overlaps. So I guess we know where our predictions had better put Freddie Galvis. These were the mouse droid players, though. If you remember from our clustering exercise where I said, these are the guys that you just don't want to own because they're not going to do yep. enough of anything. That was going to be my exact And now that I'm seeing these names, yeah. Now I see these for 2017. It's like, these were the guys that we were like focused on. Like, how... I didn't want to own any of these guys going into the season. Steven Piscotti had the was the only guy that I thought had some upside potential. I I agree with that. Steven Piscotti. I think maybe Dansby Swanson a little bit had age thing. Eight. Age thing. But then at the same time, you're like, is he going to? You know, you never know if he's going to play a whole season or if he's going to play twenty games so, and then get sent right. Out. I guess my point is. Partly in 2017, it looks like there's more guys that are moving upwards. And in 2018, there's mm -hmm. more guys that are moving downwards into this locus. And I think Absolutely. that's what's driving. I think it's interesting to me is that it's clear that that's what's driving the difference. So my, my broad takeaway is that, okay, we actually shouldn't worry about this locus because we can explain all the individual players in it. It's not that the whole league is shifting and we need to recalibrate. It's we need to look at specific players and think, okay, what does their regression look like? That's the old like, the old comedy joke of uh, uh, people say that comedians play at every theater twice in their career, but in specific ones, they they play once on the way up and then once on the way down, <laughs> and it's uh, it's great to be back. <laughs> yeah. and, and I guess that's sort of this group. You have to it's so you have to go from getting being zero zero run in rbi to getting up to 100 100 right. runs in rbis so do you agree with my takeaway that 
we shouldn't be overly concerned about a global data shift between 2018 and 2017 from this this analysis. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But it, it does, I'm glad that we went through this exercise of looking at the specific players because it does tell you something different. And I think it plays into the narrative of 2017. Like you've got all these young, exciting players that are starting to turn, that are that are coming up and you have a little bit less of that in 2018 and it's sort of borne out that the only guy mm-hmm. that is maybe exciting from that standpoint is Manny Margot, which I'm just really crossing my fingers that that's true. That he might still be a thing. Yeah, no, exactly. I, no, I agree with that. And I think that in terms of the global trends, we're not doing global, it's not really global data trends. It's more like global player trends, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's this is the year of the, 2017 was the year of the prospect. Right. If you remember. Right. And then, but then there are always, you know, maybe this is more on like fantasy drafting theorem. Hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of analysts will have these like, always pick, um, always pick young guys, always pick old guys who are counted out, always pick um, free agent, uh, free agent eligible people last year, their contract guys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if you somehow connect what the, the year's trend is with the um <laughs> with your theorem on that <laughs> given year then you look like an, a genius but if you don't i mean it's you need to really have a mix in your approach well i think we we basically managed to do that except we did it a year too late so the idea would be can we connect that can we connect it with the meta narrative with what we're seeing for the mm-hmm. 2018 plots Oh yeah, no, we're a year late on on, on predicting for <laughs> right. But so can we now that we see that? Can we do the same thing for 2019? Like these guys, I basically would worry that none of these guys are on the way up that are that we listed in 2018. So like, oh, yeah. Alex Gordon's not going in the right direction. Uh, we already, I mean, we already knew that Evan Longoria is not going in the right direction. Um, I'm worried. Like, is Eric Hosmer going in the wrong direction? I mean, we bet boxed him and like. What do we do with him? I, I do not know. I, what do the Padres do with him? It's more important. Well, that is true. It's not good that he's in this. That he's in this pool. No. Yeah. Let's uh, let's contact the Padres organization. We found something. They probably don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't have any idea. Worse, well, we, we, can, we can kill two birds with one stone in the phone call. Say Manny Margot is also in this, and hopefully he's going up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Other interesting, the other, let's talk about one other point of the locus here, the high end, the tail. This is guys that had greater than 90 runs and RBIs per 600 play appearance. So these are like the elite guys. Um, 20, let's talk about 2018, Yelich, Arenado, Baez, Otani, Gregorius, Muncy. 2017, uh, Daniel Murphy, Bryce Harper, Goldschmidt, Judge, Stan Sanchez, Bellinger. So nobody repeated. Nobody repeated. That was that. I was wondering if you were going to catch that one. The there's a little bit of an age shift here from 2017 to 2018. Goldschmidt and Murphy definitely bring the average age up, right? That's right. And I mean, Judge is not young compared to like Yelich. Oh yeah, he's older than you yeah. think. And Stanton's not young. Stanton's no spry yeah. chicken. Bellinger is a Bellinger kid. Bellinger is a kid. So this is kind of interesting because there's so yes, nobody repeated. 
So since nobody repeated, trying to make this prediction for 2019 is interesting. And since we see that there's guys on the way up in here reaching the pinnacle of their power, we basically need to try and, I would say a task for us is to try and predict who who that Bellinger, who that Muncie is for 2019, and then just try and buy them. But again, these are outliers. It looks like last year they were a little less of That's outliers. True. I mean, no, that is true. By having, I would say, Harper... I mean, even Murphy. Murphy's like on the tail end of that, but um, Murphy, Harper, Goldschmidt, Stanton were all sort of expected to do that. Right, but they were expected to do that. It's not in the realm of possibility. I don't see a single one of these guys where you're like, before the season, you're like, if if we round this to 600 at-bats, these are going to be the guys. Some people might have got out, gone out of limb on Otani yeah. and Yellick. Yeah. But Muncie? I, I mean. And some someone who was wearing a, a, a Cubs hat probably would have said that for Baez. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Arenado, I guess, is. is yeah. Arenado is one of my He's favorites. as close as you get to a blue chipper on this list. I mean, a, a, yeah. a guy that you knew was going to be a blue chipper. So I I mean this worries I agree we're looking at the tail so you know how much stake how much stock should we put into this but that said we want to be able to do this prediction for 2019 I mean how much stake should we put into this like a 10 ounce for a buy Well that's a pretty good stake All right you about ready to wrap this sucker up Let's complain about Harold Baines let's join the punditry Who the heck is Harold Baines Yeah uh <laughs> I'm I had hoped that we would be like because of our age now that we had gotten beyond the time where we just had no idea who the guys getting elected to the hall were. I know. So Harold Baines made it to the baseball hall of fame. I don't, I don't remember nope. him at all. I don't know if he played, does, does his career overlap with our watching the last couple of years? Yeah. You're right. The last couple of years has been guys that I'm like, I know. Yeah, him. exactly. Like, Oh, yeah. At least, you know, he was big in the zeitgeist when I was first starting to follow baseball. Like, people talked about him. Yeah. And so, so therefore, you know, he occupies a special space. But <laughs> Harold Baines, nothing like that. And so, immediately, the punditry comes out and places like the Washington Post pick up an article writing that he doesn't mm-hmm. belong in the Hall of Fame. Not even a statistical. Oh, poor like, guy. This is not a statistical outlet. And the Washington Post felt like, all right, we got to come up with evidence and say that he doesn't belong here. <laughs> okay. Know. Yeah. Let's. We don't have to really. All right. It's over. Yeah. Let's not join Harold the Baines din. You want to talk Rule 5? I think... We should talk Rule 5 solely because this is one of those things that we've sworn to ourselves. We're going to understand the economics of baseball a little bit better. One day. One day (laughs) we will. I mean, I don't think that anyone else should lose sleep over not following the Rule 5 draft. No, I'm. Yeah, you really. It's really team specific, and that's what kind of falls down on our data. analysis principles is that you you really kind of have to know who's the player that didn't have an opportunity because he was stuck behind you know three players ended up in the minors for a team for five years and then is now eligible for the rule five draft and then got drafted by a team that will immediately slot him into a starting role like a double Herrera. Yes. right Odebell. that was that was Odubel. the type of thing where he was he was just in the wrong place 
Right, exactly. And so there, there is somebody from last year who was in that, which was Brad Keller, had actually mm-hmm. actually had success after coming out of Rule Five. But they, they are the they are the far exception, not the rule. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do it. Big Lebowski review sesh here. I had forgotten how many of these lines have just permeated my brain. A lot of them. Just I keep on. I was watching the movie and being like, yep, I sort of use that one. I sort of use that one. I mean, it's not possible for me to think about nihilism without thinking about it being exhausting. <laughs> Looks exhausting. Yeah. And or flee. <laughs> you know what line we haven't used nearly enough is lots of ins, lots of outs. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we we have already used several times. Uh, are we gonna split hairs? <laughs> I know, which one of our friends like <laughs> didn't pick up on, and then just like at one o'clock in the morning one day, he's just like, "I get it. Where you get where you're saying that from?" He would get so upset every single time that I use that. He's like, "You're not using that correctly, Eric. I don't understand what you're saying." It's like, it's like, come yeah, on, that's come that on, is man. in fact that's that the, is point. the point. Did you enjoy seeing Professor R.J. Lupin? You said that Lupin was in the movie, and I was like, I was trying to be like, where the heck is he? Is he one of the Germans? I don't think he's one of the Germans. But then he shows up on screen, and I was like, what? (laughs) I I hadn't even known. I I know. Like, Knox Hamilton is a guy that I just glossed over for years. I, I don't know what else to say other than this movie is just so fun. I know it's like a very, very much a boy movie to the lady said it was a boy movie. You already came up with. It is a boy movie. <laughs> you already mentioned that it was a boy movie. I know it's just, it's too bad that it can't be more appealing across genders. Should we, uh, should we make some tapes that are the one side of the bowling championship and the other side is Bob? Oh, like this is just such a good like Coen Brothers thing, right? You see the tape, and it's the 1987 bowling championship, and then side B is Bob. <laughs> That's all it says. Yeah, part of the Seattle Seven. That was me and six <laughs> other guys. All right, Mike. This is I hope out of left field. Armageddon. It's very out of left field, but also <laughs> just so fitting. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!